Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jesse Beyer about making employee mental health a priority in organizational culture and practice. Jesse Beyer, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a really lively discussion with you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, company cultures, having uh, healthy company cultures that can also lead to better mental health outcomes for individuals and how leaders can really have that kind of uh, uh, an orientation towards their people. To, to foster a good, healthy environment. Uh, I think it'll be a really fun discussion. Uh, as we get started, I want to uh, briefly share Jesse's bio with the listeners. Jesse Beyer is a speaker, mental health advocate, and the number one best-selling author of How to Heal, a practical guide to nine natural therapies you can use to release your trauma. She's on a mission to help those around her feel valid, heard, and appreciated in their mental health struggles. Jesse has been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Best Company, Thrive Global, Elite Daily, and has spoken to thousands of people across the country through groups like Leader Cast Now, uh, Fairy Godboss, uh, that's an interesting, um, <laughs> the Women Tech Global Conference, uh, and others. Outside of her professional life, she is a canine search and rescue handler and a proud pet mom. Fairy Godboss, that is cool. It's a, it's a career site blog community for women, um, but it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. They have this like little purple fairy that's their logo, but it's a really helpful community for professional advice and things like that for women. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's, that's awesome. And the canine um, search and rescue stuff, that is, that is amazing. Um, I am a proud uh, pet owner. I have two dogs, uh, a Brittany and a Cavachon, and I love my pets, um, I, but I have a great um, admiration for people who do the search and rescue stuff. That's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. Um, and all, you know, many times it doesn't have super, uh, positive outcomes, you know, because, um, of the, the, you know, the trauma involved with those types of situations. But, but, uh, I really commend you for that. Thank you. Also, my dog is a Brittany too. So small world there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Awesome. You know, uh, we're not going to have a podcast about dogs today, but <laughs> given, your could, back, <laughs> given your background and given our mutual love for dogs, um, I have to say that, uh, and given, I, I suppose it's related to the topic of mental health. Um, I am so grateful that I have my dogs with me during this pandemic. 
um, I have six children as well. And um, we, you know, we need each other. And like we provide so much emotional support to each other just through the, our family and having the pets. And man, my dogs love all of the attention they've been getting this last four months because everyone's home all the time. And so they just get constant loves and attention and people playing with them. You know, whereas before people would go off to school and work and, you know, they kind of were by themselves for a lot of the day. So anyways, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. My dog's loving the attention too. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, as we really get started, other than the dogs, is there anything <laughs> else about yourself that you would like to share with the listeners by way of background? Yeah, sure. So just to give a little more of a, a personal background, I guess, my interest in mental health really started when I was in high school and started to struggle with my mental health. And, you know, it was something that I personally was dealing with. It was something that a very close friend of mine was also dealing with. And as I started to to kind of heal from that time in my life, and I studied psychology in college as well, but as I started to kind of heal from that, I recognized how prevalent of an issue it was. It wasn't something that just I was feeling, but everyone was struggling with their mental health in one way or another. Maybe they had, maybe they currently were, maybe it's still coming for them. But it's an issue that a lot of people don't want to talk about. It's uncomfortable. It's potentially embarrassing. There's some shame and feelings of brokenness and unworthiness that come with mental health struggles. And like I said, as I started to heal, I started to have conversations with people and just kind of open up and share my story a little bit. I saw how impactful those conversations were and, and people's eyes would just light up and they're like, I'm not alone. Like someone else has been through this. And that was really powerful for me. So when it came time to kind of step into my career and entrepreneurship and things like that, I, I wanted to continue these discussions and I wanted to provide the tools that I didn't have and the knowledge that I didn't know to people who were struggling to organizations who were struggling to, you know, anyone on the planet who was struggling with their mental health. And that really brought me to where I am today, which is speaking about mental health, speaking about how to support someone who's struggling with their mental health really just bringing mental illness and mental health struggles out of the shadows so that it isn't such a taboo topic and people can get the support that they really need. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for that additional background. And I commend you again for your vulnerability and, and being willing to share. And there is, you know, I think it's much better now than it was even 10 years ago. Uh, but there's it still is social stigma around it and people, you know, do often still feel embarrassed about it and they, and I still know lots of people, you know, who, who really could benefit from either um, therapy, counseling, or maybe, you know, appropriate medications. And they, they don't want to because they feel like that is a sign of weakness, um, which is interesting because, you know, if I have like cholesterol issues, I don't see it as a sign of weakness to like go get my cholesterol medicine or whatever. You just go and you meet with the doctor and you get what you need and then you take your medication. Um, but anyways, there's, there is still some stigma behind that and we need to collectively as a society and, you know, down a, a level, you know, to organizations, we need to think uh, more about this and how we can better uh, support those who may be struggling that are around us. And I think this is particularly relevant right now because I mean, while, while we have mental health issues and really a mental health crisis across the country, normally now that we're in the middle of this pandemic and we have a lot of social isolation and a lot of anxiety and fear and uncertainty, you know, that's really driving even higher levels of depression and, um, and other challenges that people are facing. And we're not with each other in the work in a physical workplace oftentimes to, you know, be able to provide perhaps some of that 
emotional support that we could have in the past. So I think it's even more of a challenge for organizational leaders today to be thinking about how can I, you know, really reach out to my people and make sure that they're doing okay? How can I better support them? And so I, I look forward to having that discussion with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting that you bring that up because I was actually just reading about some numbers numbers on this yesterday. And it's something like 56% of Americans feel like this quarantine has negatively affected their mental health. Um, the SAMHSA emotional distress hotline usage of that has gone up by a thousand percent this spring. Um, and then an online therapy company called Talkspace, they've had their users, their user base increased by like 65% from mid February to the beginning of May, all of this because of the quarantine and COVID-19. So you're absolutely right. It's even more critical now that employers and organizational leaders are taking care of their employees and reaching out to their employees and really just making their mental health a priority. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that priority piece, I think, is just so essential. Because, I mean, honestly, unless you have like the hardest nosed, callous boss, I mean, probably everyone is saying, yeah, I want my people, you know, to be mentally healthy. I, I don't know of a single person in my life that would say I don't want, you know, people to have good mental health. But it's not even if people think they want it, it, that doesn't mean it's a priority. And it doesn't mean that they're giving the attention to it that they probably should uh, in order to make sure that people are being taken care of. So it really does need to be be a priority. Um, And one of the things I wanted to start off exploring with you is really, if we want to make it a priority, we need to start creating, maintaining, sustaining uh, a healthy company culture that focuses on mental health. Um, in, in the work that you do, what are some of the types of um, practical advice that you would give organizational leaders on how to create that kind of a mental health uh, culture within an organization? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that I would say is that by starting to take these steps, even if you don't need the exact steps, even if you don't execute them perfectly, you're now showing your employees and your team members that this is a priority for you. And that right there is going to be a big change off the bat. They're going to feel more included. They're going to feel more heard and seen and appreciated. So even if you're like, I don't totally know what I'm doing, just start. And that's going to start to make that change for you in your company culture. As far as tactical tips, I really like to share three things. First of all, make sure you have some sort of system where employees or team members can share mental health concerns. Generally, it can be anonymous just because a lot of people aren't necessarily comfortable walking up to their boss and saying, hey, I'm struggling with depression or whatever that is. But if you have like an anonymous Google form or an anonymous Dropbox where people can put notes in, just a place where you can have people come up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or hey, this is happening and it's affecting me this way. That way you can get a really good insight into what your company culture and the mental health of your team is like. Depending on what you get through that feedback, you can make changes accordingly, implement new programs or whatever. But at least that gives you the insight to saying, oh, wow, you know, anxiety around Black Friday sales is a real problem on our sales team or something like that. You can make changes accordingly. The next thing I would recommend is make sure that everyone on your team at all levels of management knows how to support someone with mental health struggles. So for the most part, when someone is struggling, they're not going to go straight to a doctor or they're not going to go straight to their boss. They're going to go to their coworkers and their friends. So having everyone on the team know how to safely and successfully support their coworkers and friends who are struggling, that's going to build this whole network of support in your company that is going to carry people through. It's going to improve your company culture. It's going to make people more likely to ask for help and to use that chat box. But it just creates this network um, of mental health support in your company. 
The third thing I would recommend is when you're considering what health insurance you're getting for your employees, make sure the plans that you offer include mental health care as part of their coverage. That is huge because a lot of people will, you know, shell out a bunch of money for emergency surgeries or cancer treatment or things like that, but they're not going to do the same for therapy, even if it's just that they're paying co-pays. So make sure that your insurance covers at least one type of mental health care, some form of therapy. If you really want to go all the way, I would recommend looking for plans that include some natural and integrative alternatives to talk therapy. So things like EMDR, equine assisted therapy, ecotherapy, things like that, just so that people have more options. So it's not like, you know, talk therapy or bus is the only way that I can get the support that I need. But just to recap, those are the three things that I would tell organizational leaders. One, make sure you have some sort of way for your employees to anonymously tell you what's going on with their mental health. Make sure that everyone knows how to support someone who's struggling with their mental health, as often coworkers will go to coworkers before their bosses. And then make sure that your insurance covers mental health care as well. Excellent tips. Um, and might I just reiterate the, uh, the anonymous piece? Um, because there really is fear among a lot of employees that their employer could use it against them um, when making, you know, uh, promotion decisions, uh, you know, assigning new roles or, or, or assigning new tasks or, or responsibilities. Um, and you know, this, this sounds crazy, but I, I've seen multiple organizations who say they have anonymous um, types of systems in place, but they still track things like IP address. So when someone, you know, actually puts something in, they, they track it. And I've had, I, I had one um, administrative assistant to a CEO tell me um, maybe two years ago that they did that on purpose and they did track people down. So, so they would encourage people to submit, they would say it was anonymous, and then once people submitted, they would go and track them down so that they, you know, would know what to do with that person. They, they, they framed it as, as being a positive, like we are doing this so we can better, you know, um, uh, help this person. But I mean, that, that obviously creates a, a, a context of, of mistrust and, and people, when, when that happens, then people are going to clam up and they're not going to share because they feel like they're going to be retaliated against. So we just really need to make an authentically um, anonymous type of a system um, that will allow people um, uh, to, to seek the types of resources that they need. Um, and ultimately, if we want a culture that prioritizes mental health, then we have to, I mean, part of that is creating a culture of just general empowerment and trust within an organization where people feel empowered and where they feel um, like their employer cares about them uh, and has their you know, well-being at heart, whether it's physical, mental, social, emotional, whatever the type of well-being we're talking about, right? Um, and so unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't have that kind of a culture and there's um, more of an adversarial relationship between workers and management. And when that's the case, you know, it, it's going to be hard to get to the point where we can focus on mental health if we can't even do like the basics of having like a positive people centric work culture. 
Um, so the, you know, these are the types of things I think leaders can and should be thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's so sad that that one organization kind of twisted that form of the anonymous tip box there. Um, one tip that I could give for people, if you really want to make this anonymous and you have a physical box that you're using in your office space or something like that, a put a lock on it so that people, you know, other coworkers can't open it up and read other people's notes or anything like that. And then also put the box in the bathroom because there's no cameras in the bathroom. So there's no chance that, oh, you're going to get caught on security footage submitting that you have a mental health concern or something like that. But there's a little more privacy and a little more intimacy with it being in the bathroom. So if you as an employee are suggesting this to your employer or you're an employer who really wants to make sure this is anonymous and safe, put a lock on it and put it in the bathroom. That's about the best you're going to be able to do with that. Yeah, great tip. Um, and it's sad that we have to, you know, like talk about it in those terms, but you know, it, we, we just, we want to take steps to reassure people. Right. Um, and, and that, you know, especially if people feel like there could be retaliation they, or they, they're just worried about the social stigma of it all. Um, then, you know, we can do simple things to, to make sure that they feel that reassurance, uh, about what they're, uh, what they're sharing. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering like, what else, um, can we really focus on, uh, in terms of, uh, the types of supports that leaders can provide in the day to day, uh, for, for people in their team? You know, if, if I, it, it can go down all the way down to the supervisory level, I may only supervise three people. Um, but when I'm leading in that environment, I, I do have a group of people that report to me, you know, what, what are those specific things that, that I can do in my day-to-day -day interactions with them to demonstrate to them that I care about them, that I prioritize their mental health, uh, particularly in this pandemic where we have lots of people working virtually, um, what can I do as a leader to reach out to them and help them feel uh, that way? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, when you're asking them how they're doing, you know, you walk into the office, hey, Bob, how are you? Hey, Susie, how are you? Sort of thing. Actually ask them and actually listen and actually pay attention. Don't make it just this kind of throwaway greeting that you use. Sit down with them and say, hey, Sarah, it's really great to see you. How was your weekend? And listen to how Sarah's weekend was. It's not going to be an overnight change. It's not like the first time you ask that Sarah is now going to spill everything that happened her weekend and all of the struggles that she's facing. But the more you do that and the more that you interact with your employees and show them that, hey, I legitimately want to know what's going on with you and I legitimately care about you, that's going to help improve that company culture and that's going to help your employees know that you do have their best interests at heart. The other thing that I encourage people to do is, is put little personal touches on it. So do you send your employees a birthday card? Do you tell them happy birthday? You know, if you see on Facebook that they just had a baby or, you know, they just got married, do you mention that? Bringing in these little bits and pieces of information will um, make them feel really important, make them feel like an individual instead of just another cog in the wheel. Those two pieces put together, so really caring about the answer to how are you and how are you doing, and then also bringing in some of these personal touches, that's going to help build that relationship between you and them. You know, you're still a supervisor, you're still managing them, and you're still kind of above them in the hierarchy, but you're a human to a human, not a person to a bunch of little minions below them. Once that relationship is built, that company culture and that mental health support is kind of going to follow naturally because you obviously, you want to open up to and get support from people that you trust and people that you like. So build that human foundation first and then the rest of the pieces will kind of fall into place when necessary. 
I'd also encourage companies to bring in outside events and outside mental health support. So are there speakers or corporate trainers that you could bring in that talk about mental health? Could you do some sort of mental health awareness week? Maybe bring in some bands, bring in some, you know, whatever, just make it fun and bring in people that can talk about the message from a different perspective. I'm sure you understand as well that if, you know, when you're in a kid in school and your teacher or your mom is telling you something, you're like, okay, teacher or mom said it, whatever. But then someone new and cool comes in from the outside and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And they could be saying the exact same information, but just getting that different perspective in there can help the message sink in in a different way. So those are kind of the biggest things that I would say is, is really build that human centric approach first, build the relationship and then the rest of the pieces will fall into play. And then don't be afraid to bring in outside events or support or things like that. Recognize as well that some people are not going to want to talk about their mental health. Even if you have the perfect company culture, mental health is everywhere. Everyone knows about mental health and it's this great environment. Some people just don't want to talk and that's okay. You know, respect that, provide the support systems and trust that when they're ready and when they need it, they'll use it if they want to. Excellent tips. Um, how about in a virtual workplace? I mean, so many people are working from home right now. We don't have, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Like if, if we're going in to the office, we don't want to just have the throwaway of like, hey, how was your weekend? How was your day? How are you feeling? How are you doing? And then you smile, you nod, you walk away. Um, but we don't have those, like a lot of people don't have those types of encounters um, right now because they're working from home. So if, if I'm a supervisor or a leader, what, what can I do to proactively make sure that my team is, is dealing you know, with all the stress, anxieties, pressures of this COVID situation? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of those things you can still do. So, you know, when you hop on a Zoom meeting for your weekly team meeting, you can still have those personal, hi, how are you? How is your weekend sort of deals? You can still bring in outside support and do virtual trainings or socially distanced trainings at a park or something like that. You can still send out birthday cards and reminders and things like that. So a lot of these things you can still do, but especially because we are in a virtual environment and we are working through a global pandemic and so many social justice issues, just ask your employees. You know, hey, Sarah, how you doing? Saw you were a few minutes late. Saw you looked a little tired, whatever that is. How are you doing? How can I help? Um, one of my favorite things to say to people, well, I guess two favorite things, um, is when I suspect they might be struggling, suspect they might need a little extra support. It can be really easy to get in your head and just be like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help them. Just ask, how can I help you? What can I do to support you right now? That's a very non-threatening approach. They might say, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm all good. And then, okay, you know, whatever. Or they might tell you how they can help, how you can help them. The other thing I like to say is when I do find out that someone is struggling, whether it's with their mental health or their productivity or whatever it is, just I hear you and I'm here for you. This lets them know that, hey, I acknowledge what you're telling me. I receive what you're sharing about what you're struggling with. And I'm also here to support you. you know? And then you can follow that up with, you know, how can I help? How can I support you? Things like that. But having those conversations and and really making sure that you're listening and offering support and still kind of building that environment, even over a virtual setting, is really important. The other thing you can do is periodically send out various resources. So maybe you were reading over the weekend a great book about an inspiring mental health story, or you read a blog post or listened to a podcast episode. You can just shoot that out to your team over email and say, hey, you know, I was listening to this, thought it was really interesting. Maybe some of you guys would like to read it or listen to it. Just send it out there. Some of them will, some of them won't, but you're still sharing those resources and letting them know that you are prioritizing mental health and you are continuing to develop your own mental health skills throughout this pandemic. Yeah, I love those tips. 
Um, and it reminded me of a recent, it was, it was early on, uh, once everything shut down because of the pandemic, it was probably early April. Um, and I was in a meeting where a, a vice president was with a, you know, it was, it was a, a leadership meeting and, uh, it was on zoom and there was this big long agenda. So all these things that this leader wanted to get through and she, she impressed me so much because she she checked in with everyone at the beginning of the meeting, like genuinely, authentically, like gave, went around the horn, gave everyone a chance to share. And then after, you know, maybe 15 minutes of that in this meeting, um, she took a step back and she, she just said, you know what, we had an agenda today, but given the anxieties everyone's feeling, I I don't think we should do it. You know, I think I think instead, let's talk about you know, what we can do to help each other. Let's talk. And, and that's what the meeting ended up being. Instead of this pre kind of conceived agenda of all these action items that had to occur, she modeled and demonstrated for everyone else. And all the people in that meeting were also leaders. They were also people that had people that reported to them. And she modeled for them how important it was to prioritize um, their mental health in that moment. And she she recognized that there was a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. That was back when school was still in. And a lot of people had kids at home while they were trying to work at home and trying to help their kids with school. Just all of that stuff that was just so hard. And, and she, she recognized that there was nothing incredibly urgent about any of the action items she wanted to cover in the agenda. Like that could happen next week. You know, right now we need to focus on people. Um, so I loved that. And, and I think you just shared a bunch of tips that are pretty simple that, I think if leaders can can try to implement, will have immediate impact, uh, and at least, if nothing else, at least help. Uh, you know, you can help your your team realize that you genuinely care about them, uh, and that you are going to make this a priority. Uh, and if I th- if if we if we can do that, that's half the battle. Absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree. And I think that what a lot of people don't understand is that mental health is not this like intangible out there thing that only affects some people's company cultures. Like, no, it's a hometown issue. Just to share a couple of numbers that can kind of back this up. The society for human resources management estimates that over the past five years, $223 billion have been lost in companies because of poor company culture. Furthermore, the journal of the American medical association estimates that $225 billion every single year is lost due to mental illness and substance abuse in both presenteeism and absenteeism and all of the things that occur because of that. And so if you're a company and you're like, okay, yeah, mental health is cool and all that, but it doesn't matter for me because I'm not this tyrant boss or, you know, whatever it is that you're using as an excuse for yourself. Think about what poor company culture and mental health could do for your bottom line. And if that doesn't motivate you to put your employees first and recognize how important it is to have a people-centric business and use everyone's strengths to the best of their abilities, then I would probably reconsider whether a management role is right for you. But the point of me sharing this is that there's more to this than just making people feel good. Like this is good business. This is good human skills. This is community justice. This is everything that it means to be a member of a group of people. It all comes down to how you interact with them, how you support them when they need it and how you create a culture that lets them know that they're important. Well said, well said. Um, We're about out of time. So we'll end on that note. Uh, but before we close and part ways, I do want to give you a chance uh, to share with the listeners how they can get in contact with you, reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing in your work. 
Absolutely. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Jesse Byer International. That's J-E-S-S-I-B as in boy, E-Y-E-R International. And I'm sure that'll be linked below. Uh, the best way to probably get in touch with me and really figure out what mental health looks like in your company and things like that is just to book a call with me so we can chat things through and see how I can support you, how you can support your team and kind of work through that. So feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook and I will go ahead and send you my link to set up a call, but love to help you out and chat with you guys and see what we can do to make sure that your mental health and your team's mental health is staying a priority throughout this pandemic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. It's been a real pleasure. Um, talking with you, I encourage my listeners to reach out, get connected with Jesse, uh, set up a call, have a conversation. I, I think, you know, it's always important, but at this particular point in time, I think it's even a heightened level of urgency that we think about these issues and truly make this a priority. Uh, thanks again for, for everyone's time today. I hope everyone stays healthy and safe and that you have a wonderful week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Make their Christmas unforgettable with goat guns. Looking for the perfect gift for your husband or man who is a gun lover? Look no further. Goat guns are the greatest gift of all time miniature gun models. They are the perfect blend of quality and detail. From pistols to rifles, there's a goat gun for every collector, history buff, or gamer. Whether for display or for a fun collecting hobby, goat guns will bring joy and excitement to him. Surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a goat gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at GoatGuns.com.